T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air from Wrigley Field in Chicago. It's opening night 2020 between the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers. The 0-2 pitch swing and a miss strike three. Hendricks works one, two, three. The first inning is a breeze. Swing and a miss. Strike three on a beautiful changeup. Here comes the 2-2 to Garcia. Swing and a miss. Three up, three down. Three strikeouts for Kyle Hendricks. Strike three called on a fastball. Three consecutive strikeouts in the inning, and it came against the middle of the order. Yelich, Hira, and Smoke. And he hits a ground ball to short. This could do it. Baez to second. Cubs win. It is a three-hit shutout for Kyle Hendricks as David Ross is a winner as a manager in his first game. That's what means the most to me, honestly. I love that guy, and we we just love playing for him. We've been waiting for this moment. We were excited in spring, you know, before this all started. Just the vibe and the energy he brings every day. So, yeah, I told him I was going to go out there and get him his first win. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. So much Cubs in there. Sean Anderson, the phenom. A White Sox fan bringing us in with all that Cubs because we are indeed the flagship of the Chicago Cubs. Good morning, everybody. It's 670 the score. But we are blessed on Hit and Run to talk about both teams, to live in a two-team town, and to be underway in a baseball season that a lot of us thought might never get here. It is here. The Cubs and Sox both one and one. And both teams have legitimate playoff aspirations. Been looking forward to this year since the end of, uh, I don't know, last year. And had a lot of different times to talk about it, conceptualize it, dream of it, predict it. But now we get to just talk about it and break it down with you guys at 312-644-6767. We've got games to discuss. We have games. Yes, we have games to preview today. We have next series to preview for both sides of town. We have managers to figure out. You know something is going to end up driving you crazy, Cubs fans, about David Ross, strategically. What is it? Got a glimpse of it yet? We know what eventually drove us crazy about Joe Madden, and he was very, very good. This is the thing about baseball and about baseball fans that I think most of you know. All managers suck a little. Just just a little. Even the greatest ones ever. Who's the best manager you've ever seen in your life? He had things that drove people crazy who watched his team every day. Because you make decisions 
and maybe they're consistent decisions, but they still drive you crazy. And it's okay to think about all that and deal with all of that. It certainly came up on Friday night as we watched Kyle Hendricks go nine and said to ourselves, boy, I don't think Joe Madden would have let him go nine. We knew and, and know that, at least with Hendricks, David Ross is going to be more patient with starting pitchers. When he announced that Hendricks was the opening day starter, you remember what he said? I think it's laughable that people used to think he couldn't get through that lineup the third time. So when Christian Yelich is up for the third time in the sixth inning of a 2-0 game with a man on first, and Kyle Hendricks is under 70 pitches, it's an absolute no-brainer that David Ross will leave him out there. Opening day of a truncated season, could Joe Madden have pulled him? Maybe. But And would Madden have pulled Hendricks before the ninth? Probably. Okay. So we see that and we notice the differences. And that's okay. That's fun. What is David Ross going to do that's going to drive you crazy, Cub fans? Maybe you've seen something already. Maybe the trusting of Jason Hayward and putting him in the number six spot two days in a row when he has not proven anything offensively in quite a while. Maybe that's the leader so far out of the gate for you, as someone said to me on Twitter. But you'll find ways that he drives you crazy. White Sox fans will find ways that Ricky Renteria drives you crazy. There were some things that bothered people as they were in rebuild mode and trying to put it all together. I expect some of those things to change. Now, now that he has an obvious lineup full of crazy home run power, which has been on display. Now that he has a, an entire roster filled with people who are designed to help him win every single game. There are no developmental slots on the roster. There are no slots for um, aging veterans who are cost effective and might be able to find it again. No, no, no. This is a roster put together to win right now. So Ricky Renteria is going to manage differently. It's part of what's so fun about this year. It is Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel. The phone number is 312-644-6767. And I want to talk with you all day and every Sunday morning about this game. We'll be here till 1220. That's when Cubs pregame gets underway with our Zach Zaidman right here on The Score getting ready for Cubs Brewers, the finale. Before then, we'll talk to a few different folks. Uh, My buddy Bart Winkler in Milwaukee, who I I always love to talk to when the Brewers are around. He and I did a, he he was a guest co-host. Was last year or the year before, I think, the first year of the reinvented hit and run. Bart Winkler um, did a guest co-host gig with me, and that was super fun. Um, I've been on his show a bunch. He's been on mine a bunch. We'll talk to him at 10 o'clock. Before then, we're going to check in about the Toronto slash Buffalo Blue Jays. Because I just, I want to know how weird that thing is. So uh, Blue Jays writer for MLB.com, Keegan Matheson, is going to join us for a quickie around 940. Our Bruce Levine, our MLB insider from The Score, will join us at 1040. And the new proud papa, Chris Kampka, will join us at 1120 on The Score. Between now and then, lots of room for your phone calls and your texts, which are the same number, at 312-644-6767. And you can also tweet at Matt Spiegel 670 and all kinds of stuff. We've got sound I want to play for you. Theo Epstein the other day um, talking to Dan Bernstein. There's a couple minutes in there that really lets you know what this year is about for front offices and how they're thinking about it, which is fascinating. So we'll get to that. Crane Kenny on the possibility of fans in the stands. And think about it for whichever team you love. 
wherever in the country, if you're going to be thinking about trying to get fans in the stands, some of the things you have to think about, it's just, it's just kooky. Um, but it is the realities of our new socially distant world. So you'll hear about that at some point. And Rick Hahn from his conversation with Lawrence Holmes uh, about what they've done in terms of signing young players, how they go about it, and, uh, and how that relates to what happened this week with Nick Madrigal. But to begin with, we throw the phone lines open to you to talk about your teams, the Cubs and Sox, and we talk about the most exciting reality in Chicago baseball right now. The most exciting reality about Chicago baseball right now is that the White Sox are just going to get you as a lineup eventually. Whether they are down big as they were on Friday night, whether they go up big as they did yesterday, that lineup will get you or it will pile on. And I will be surprised the times they don't put up four or five runs. So far, 15 runs in two games, six homers from five different people. They are exit velocity darlings. Exit velocity is uh, one of the measurables on StatCast that a lot of fans have come to enjoy and a lot of big league teams look at and have always kind of looked at. And it's really just quantifying what scouts have always said about the best players. Man, that guy hits the ball hard. That guy hits the ball hard. And that means that something that might be a ground ball for him is actually uh, a hit through the infield. That means something that might be a double that carries to the wall might actually go over the wall. That guy hits the ball hard. That's all exit velocity is. And Luis Roberts' first big league hit, 115 miles per hour off the bat. Eddie Rosario, a player I love, the left fielder for the Minnesota Twins, lets it come to him in deep left on three bounces. Still has to pick it up. Still has to back up, excuse me. Has to back up as he fields it, a three-bouncer single. It was 115 miles per hour and change. That ball was harder hit than all but one batted ball from the entire White Sox season of 2019. (laughs) And then you saw Luis Roberts double to the opposite field that apparently would have been out in a couple different ballparks around baseball. Not that one. But with that ballpark, And with that lineup, they're going to homer a lot. Had a three-home run inning yesterday. Didn't do that once last year. I hereby guarantee that is not the last time they do it in this little 60-game sample. You want to bet me? Feel free. But my goodness, they are fun and they are ridiculous. And that is going to be really, really, really cool to have and to watch. In terms of the Cubs, Kyle Hendricks has fully arrived as a flat-out ace for that team and a really, really good top-tier pitcher around baseball. He's not Verlander, DeGrom, Scherzer, Strasburg, uh, Garrett Cole. He's not in that class, but he's really good. And he has a lot more in his arsenal than he used to. He has a tireless arm and is absolutely going to be the rock of that pitching staff. And then you, Darvish, will drive you crazy. Crazy. As always, confounding. He's got a million different pitches. I think he has too many pitches. 
he he lets moments get to him sometimes. And there were many moments yesterday that could have gotten to him. And they did, right? A botched rundown. Uh, some questionable calls at the plate. Long innings. And he eventually kind of grooves pitches. Sometimes he goes too fast. He said so, that he goes too fast. Sometimes. Drives me nuts. But boy, the stuff is good. And the stuff looked really good yesterday. He said he felt good. Okay, now throw better. Got Cubs bullpen issues to discuss and dissect, as we will all season long. Who are the high leverage guys? You didn't see them yesterday. You saw like five different guys sort of auditioning to get up on that depth chart of the high leverage guys. Obviously, Kimbrell is the closer. Jeremy Jeffress and Rowan Wick are the top two righties behind him. Kyle Ryan is the top lefty. You didn't see any four of those guys yesterday. So don't freak out too much about what you saw in the bullpen. Dwayne Underwood can be very good, I think, through one bad pitch. Otherwise, I think Dwayne Underwood's got a real chance to be a part of things this year. James Norwood has good stuff, but he's never proven it on the big league level. I'll have to have it proven to me that he can do it and not just groove some things. He gave up three hard hit balls in a row yesterday. Brad Wick, I'm concerned about. When he throws the fastball 93-94, that big curve can play with that tall, tall frame and that, that awkward release point. But throwing 90 like he was yesterday makes it not as scary. He did still strike out Keston Hira, who's a very good young player, but gave up that bomb to, um, to, to Yelich, his first. Rex Brothers throws very, very hard. They like his stuff an awful lot. We'll see if it's going to play. When he's healthy, that stuff can play. I know they, they really like him quite a bit. Dylan Maples looked pretty good yesterday. Ross fought for Dylan Maples to make this team with that nasty stuff. Brothers and Maples are the ones that have a chance to work their way up that depth chart of high leverage guys. The list where it stands now and how it will change is going to be very, very interesting for me from Ross's perspective because they're trying to piecemeal it together and figure it out. And because of some struggles on the back end of the rotation, they might have to rely on that bullpen more than others. So much to talk about from the first weekend in baseball. Man, I'm psyched to be here talking baseball with you. Your phone calls are welcome, and they are elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. 312-644-6767 is the number. Let's dial it up. Let's talk baseball as we are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I've got all sorts of stuff to talk about. Things unique to this season that we've already seen. We have to talk about the Fox broadcast. Um, things you might not notice if you don't watch the games every day because you can't fake baseball, people. You cannot fake it. And some of your favorite moments from the opening few days. We're going to talk about all of that. Let's take our first phone call of the baseball season. <laughs> it's a midseason show here on opening day weekend, 2020. The oddest. This is Kevin in Palatine on the score. Kevin, good morning. Welcome to Hit and Run. How you doing? Uh, good. Uh, questions on both sides of town. So, first okay. of all, what has made me angry about Ross already? Yeah. Putting uh, putting Hayward at six every day. Speaks. I'm sorry, but I can't watch any more pop-outs to the first baseman or really hard outs to the second baseman. It's just 
so, so annoying. And anytime Chris Bryant wants to put the bat on the ball, that would be greatly appreciated. Hey, he but did. He, he, hey, Brian, we'll talk about Brian. Uh, we'll talk about both those things, but go ahead. Your White Sox. I did have one. I did have one other question though, because you and Parkins got into it a little bit over Giolito. You said he is, you know, he has graduated. He is in that upper upper echelon. Do yeah. you really think you need to see it one or two more years? I mean, that was a dumpster fire Friday night. And I'm sorry, he only has twelve of these, so he owes this team eleven great ones now. He doesn't get two more, two or three more of those speaks. He can't be one of the best in the league and come out with that garbage. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know what? Every game is worth two point seven. If uh, if, if Giolito gave you two point seven starts like that, we'd all be worried. So go ahead, have at it, have at your concern for Giolito. Have at your frustration because you only get twelve of them. Is exactly right. Better be good every damn time out. And if you're not, people are going to be upset. Your team is going to be uh, your, your team is going to be affected by it. And so it goes. That is the reality of this tiny little 60-game sprint. I'm not worried about Giolito overall. I continue to not be worried about Giolito overall. No. I, I, I bet he'll come out great his next time out. And, look, he's yet to prove it in a, in a big, big-time stressed moment. Has, hasn't had the opportunity to do so. I suspect and hope that that guy's going to get a chance to pitch in a three-game playoff series at the end of this year. Eight teams are getting in from the American League. I'll be very surprised if one of those eight teams is not the White Sox. Yes, it has moved to me being very surprised if they don't make the playoffs because the playoffs are so expanded now. I know the division is real with the Twins and the Indians. So maybe they're one of those, uh, the third wild card, or maybe they're the second place team, or maybe they win the division, whatever it's going to be. I think they're going to get in. So you'll get a chance to see Giolito in, uh, in, in the highest profile yet of his career. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be absolutely fine. I understand when you say he owes the team 11 good ones. That's fair. You'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear what Theo says perfectly encapsulating it for all of the franchises in baseball. We'll play that at some point soon. It is 670 The Score. It's me, Matt Spiegel, here with you. It is hit and run. We are just getting rolling. The phone lines are open for you. 312-644-6767. Keep it right here and let's baseball. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Lucas Giolito's first pitch, the Sox ace. It's a fly ball to right field and well hit and gone. Max Kepler on the first pitch of the season goes deep. 
stuff felt really good. I mean, velocity and everything was a couple ticks higher than I've seen uh, throughout this season, I guess you could say, or, or lack thereof. So the ball was definitely coming out, but going way too quick. Pretty much the story of the night was no fastball command. And so I got hurt. No fastball command, says Lucas Giolito. And he knows it could be a little different. He's going to continue to believe in his stuff and his ability. But look, I understand your frustration. Garrett Cole was brilliant on day one. Jacob deGrom was brilliant on day one. Sonny Gray struck out nine guys for the Reds. Shane Bieber might have had the best debut of anybody. Struck out 14 Royals in six shutout innings for the Indians. So, yeah. I mean, you see aces. You see real good pitchers around the league. Luis Castillo, the Reds, struck out, what, 11 people yesterday? That changeup is ridiculous. So, yeah. You saw what Kyle Hendricks did on Friday night. This is the confounding and fascinating nature of a 60-game season here in Major League Baseball. Mitigated a bit by now that the playoffs have been expanded. A real good team that gets unlucky or a bad team that gets lucky, those teams could still make it. You know? So because we are expanded, um, you will see... Some some teams that whose records don't say they should get in still get in. And maybe they're actually better than their record shows. It's going to be one of those years where you, you are not what your record says you, you are. I know that might be counterintuitive, but you are not going to be what your record says you are. To speak to that, um, listen to Theo Epstein from Friday with our Dan Bernstein. And this is, you know, it's not really Cubs specific right here. It's about the season. And it matters uh, about what opportunities you have and not how good you are as part of what Theo says on the way in here. Because he's talking about if you are a real good team, it's still, it might not manifest. It might not show up. And what does that mean for a front office filled with guys who think they know how to think about this game? I'm not sure that's as relevant, right? It, 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 sort of, it just matters what opportunity you have, not necessarily how good you are. Like you, you could be, you could be a true talent level. Uh, I guess I'll adjust everything to the 60 game scale, but you, you could be a true talent level, 26 win team. But if you're playing on a 34 win pace, you, you're still gonna go for it. Um, it, it. It almost doesn't doesn't matter because of the condensed season. So I think. Yes, you'll try to assess how good you actually are and, and certainly how you can get better and where your holes are, where your risks are, and where your opportunities are. But you'll probably spend just as much time assessing um, uh, where, you know, where you are, what your actual opportunity is, what your chances to win are, what your chances to get in the postseason, what your chances to, to actually win the World Series, and you will how good you are. Because your true talent level doesn't mean as much as, as your position in the standings given the length of the season now. Wow. I mean, I, I guess I, I don't envy you in that regard. It's hard enough for those of us that try to to look at it and analyze it and understand it and go to, you know, see what baseball prospectus and fan graphs are trying to do. But you're actually in charge of these guys and, and nobody has any idea right now, do we? Everyone's in the same boat, though. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's an industry. We're, we're all doing things that we've preached against doing for years, like, you know, evaluating in spring training and 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 
and not relying too much on small samples. We're now, you know, we're now focused on, you know, we, a 12 pitch outing because that's all we have to in a, in a, in a simulated game because that's all we have to go off. And you can't tell, you know, you don't necessarily know whether the player is still, you know, ramping up and getting into shape or whether he's out there competing and you're trying to make fine line distinctions and evaluations. So we're, we're, <laughs> I think every, every front office in baseball is in a position where they just have to like violate a lot of their own rules and, and, and um, use, use completely imperfect, uh, data and and, and um, observations to make decisions because we just don't have a lot to work on. But everyone's in the same boat, and you know that's that's not what ultimately matters, and that's not why fans tune in is to see competition. And there will be plenty of that. Every game is worth 2.7 times what what a normal game is worth. So every at bat is worth 2.7 times. Every pitch is worth 2.7 times a normal pitch, and that's going to create a lot of drama and a lot of excitement. And um, you know, I hope. Obviously, we we pull this off safely, and, and that there's a lot of uh, great competition and drama for our fans because Lord knows they certainly deserve some some joy and some entertainment in 2020. Think about some of that stuff. You know that a lot of organizations are going to be going against rules they've had in place for a long time. We're all doing things we've preached against doing for years is an exact quote. Organizations will be violating a lot of their own rules is an exact quote. (laughs) Man, how can you not lovingly embrace this chaos in a baseball season? How can you not breathlessly watch? Because what is this going to do? A 60-game season is going to force some of these guys to make decisions that they would never, ever make. How might this manifest? How might this show up in a ball game? My first thought is that struggling closers will not be given a chance to work through their issues. Sorry, I, I, if you go figure it out somewhere else. Figure it out uh, in, in a blowout. I, I got to put a guy out there who's got a shot. High leverage reliever depth charts will be rotating more often. That's why I brought up all those names on the Cubs at Norwood, Underwood, Wick, and Rowanwick and all that. You got a running depth chart of that. Madden used to say he had his, uh, uh, his tied or ahead guys. That he got a list of those tied or ahead guys. Who are they? How quickly will those things kind of rotate? And then the one that will be fun and, and interesting, the, the hot hand. The hot hand to be trusted. A collective lineup's momentum being given a bit more credence. I'm sure in other ways that we have not even thought about. Can't wait to see some of this stuff that goes on. You're going to see managers and general managers perhaps dealing with this season as if they were a fantasy baseball manager. As I know some of you are, as I am. Got my two fantasy lineups in yesterday. I uh, benched Kyle Schwarber in favor of Ioannis Cespedes, and of course Schwarber homered. Of course he did. What are you going to do? Got four good outfielders or utility guys. You got to make some tough decisions. But I'll be vilified for that on fantasy baseball radio because each fantasy day is worth 2.7 fantasy days. 312 644 6767 is the phone number. That is how you text. It is also how you call. And that's the number that Carter in Hampshire dialed as he is on hit and run on 670 the score with me, Matt Spiegel. What do you say, Carter? Hi, how's it going? Good. 
Uh, quick little concern, I guess. Um, through the first two games for the White Sox, just a little bit of a concern with Ricky Renneria. Why? I just I wonder why they are shifting when there are guys on base. I I understand nobody on base, nobody out. Play the percentages, but when there's there were multiple opportunities where Giolito could have been out of it, but we're in a shift with the runner on first and double play situation, and we're just out of position and we can't get the double play. Leary's coming in late on a ground ball to Tim Anderson, like multiple times. I just don't understand. Hmm. Find that. That's interesting. I, I I would love to look at the percentages of how many teams, you know, uh, shift less when guys are on base. I I do not know it off the top of my head, like how consistent the teams that shift a lot are when they do that. I I will look into it. That's very very interesting. Um, I, I know that if Leori Garcia makes some more plays out there then things could be different. Tough night defensively for Lurie on Friday in the wake of the Nick Madrigal uh, decision, which we will talk about at some point a little bit later on. But then Lurie redeems himself with the two homers yesterday. But that's interesting. Well, there you go. And in a year like this, what you got, Ricky Renneria? What do you got? This is winning time. Show us what you can do and show us how you feel about stuff. And what you're going to uh, what you're going to do in a pinch? I'll look into that. It's interesting. Appreciate the call very much. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the number. Riles is in Gridley and is now on the score. What's up, Riles? Morning, Speaks. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Um, first off, I'll give uh, I'll give Rossi some props. I I still think he's going to be Theo's puppet, but I was very proud of him coming in in the ninth inning and going old school talking with uh, Hendricks and letting him finish. Um, managers almost never do that anymore where they, you know, give him a pat on the butt. Of course, you probably can't do that with social distancing, but letting him finish and he finished almost having a Maddox. So way to go for him on that. And um, sorry to rub it in about your um, Schwarber decision, but <laughs> I'm going to give him an attaboy too. I think Friday I saw him leg out a hit. He's pretty fast. You know, for a big boy, um, I thought that was great. And then his swing yesterday on that home run was just outstanding. And uh, I'll get in something about my Cardinals. I'm so disappointed that we're still playing Carpenter. He's only proving that he can't play. Um, he, he, had a, he had a double to deep right center yesterday, did Matt Carpenter. You know, Matt, Matt, Matt Carpenter's bat, bat once was able to play all the time. Will it be able to play this year? I think he's going to get a lot of starts at DH, Riles. He's no, going to get a lot of chances. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree that he is, but uh, I, they have better options, the Cardinals do. Um, you're, and also, uh, thanks for letting me talk so much. Um, I think the Sox <laughs> really are good. They, they definitely have a chance. Thank you, Riles. Appreciate the call very much. Um, look, he's got three or four things to be upset about and to have some thoughts about. Maybe a couple attaboys mixed in. But this is what you got. It's back. The, the companion sport of baseball is back. Giving you opportunities to be upset about things every single day. And these are low-grade things to be upset about. That's the fun in sports, right? I am bothered by this. How dare they shift when men are on base? Come on. 
Stop giving Matt Carpenter chances. He did have a two-run double yesterday. My goodness. Pick another day to go after Matt Carpenter. I, uh, I had some fun yesterday on Twitter as I was watching the Cubs game and the Sox game at the same time. In this house, it's going to be very, very interesting because my meatball Cub fan wife is uh, very feisty about having the, the White Sox on the big TV in the main room at any time. But certainly when the Cubs are on, she has said, look, the Cubs are on. You can't have the White Sox on the big TV. But, babe, I do this for a living. You know, I got to do it. I don't care. I don't care. This is how passionate she is. And I do love this about her, among other things. So that means I will be going iPad for the White Sox game or, as I did yesterday, the television in the bedroom, the bedroom TV. That's the White Sox room. The bedroom is now the White Sox room in my house. And I can do it because I'm just in, you know, little old two-bedroom condo here in the South Loop. I can figure out a way to see both televisions at the same time in the two different rooms. So, look, these are the challenges in a two-team town when you uh, cover them both and want to see them both and you are married to the meatball fan of only one of them. So, yesterday, I'm, I'm watching the games... And I'm tweeting about a couple things. I tweet about the Madden and Hendricks and Ross thing that I mentioned at the top of the show. People immediately angry, calling me a troll. They're angry at my whatever. Okay, that's how it goes. But then this was my favorite. I tweeted about the fountain on Fox because Fox TV. I, I know you've got the fake fans, which I thought was awkward as hell. And the way they're using it intermittently in some shots, not in some other shots, all it does is call attention to itself every single time. If the goal was to have it there so it felt normal, that is a fail, an abject fail. Because every time you show it, when you're coming off a, a normal angle, like the center field pitching angle or a, 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 uh, a, an at-bat set, they call it, from the side of, of the hitter getting ready to go, and you don't see fans. Then all of a sudden, you go to a wide shot, a beauty shot, and there are fake fans. Oh, hey, look, there are the fake fans. How's it look? Well, it looks okay. You've immediately taken me out of the game. That's an abject fail by them. But then what really got me is they showed Buckingham Fountain, glorious and wonderful Buckingham Fountain, and they showed it with Uh, The fountain on, the water spouting up high into the air on a beautiful, beautiful summer day like yesterday was. Only problem is that the Buckingham Fountain has not been on all year, all season, all summer. And it will not be on because they don't want to do anything in the city that might draw a crowd, such as our socially distant reality. And they want to save the electricity from it and the water and uh, all of that. So the buck is not on. And I love that fountain. I got engaged in front of that fountain. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. And they're showing me the fountain in all its glory. That's not real. Fake news, Fox. Fake news. You don't need to do that. I, right? I, I don't think you need to do that. Now, granted, um, I, you know, uh, a picture of the Buckingham Fountain off, you know, it does not carry the same weight as one of your stock footage Buckingham Fountain 
photos on. And nobody out outside of Chicago gave a crap. But it's a regional broadcast. You got a lot of Chicagoans and Illinoisans watching. Damn it. Don't give me a phony fountain shot. So I tweeted about that, right? And granted, that's the kind of useless anger about something very frivolous that makes sports great. <laughs> I can give you my, my ultimately pointless anger about the fountain. And then two people could tweet at me and say, stop with your anger about the fountain. Come on, man. It's just a fountain. And then I can respond, hey, I like that fountain. It's important. And the world goes round. And you know what none of us were talking about there? The actual problems in the world. So I think that is proof. That's how you know baseball is really back. When you're having awkward and meaningless conversation about things that don't mean a damn thing, but are making you passionate. Sports. Here we are. 670, the score is where you are. I'm Matt Spiegel. It is hit and run. Top of the hour, we'll talk Brewers and Cubs with Bart Winkler from Milwaukee. But first, let's check in on a team with a very, very odd reality. They did have one of the more beautiful opening day ceremonies, which we should talk about in a general sense. Salute as well. But I want to talk about the odd state of until a couple days ago, a team's home opener being listed as to be determined. We'll do that next, right here on 670 The Score. It's time for Ken Giles to come in and try to lock it up. 89. Left center field and playable. And Alfred in front of Grichik to make the catch. One down. 0-2. And he chased. Good pitch. Slider down and away. Two down. 1-2. Got it. Got him. Another good slider. Ken Giles finally puts him away. Strikes out of Brandon Lau. And the Blue Jays get a little dicey there at the end, Buck, but they pick up a win at the Trop on opening night. The Toronto Blue Jays are a really interesting and fun young team. They really are. I mean, I was explaining to the wife as I was watching Quick Pitch which is just, it's the greatest thing that television has ever brought to us. And I, I put it up there against The Sopranos or Six Feet Under or All in the Family, Roots, all of it. Quick Pitch is the greatest thing that television has ever brought to us. Uh, fight me. Feel free. 312-644-6767. But anyway, I was explaining about Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the same infield. And who their parents are and all that stuff, it's fascinating. But then there's even more stuff to talk about with the Blue Jays season because they didn't have a home until just a couple of days ago. To talk about that, we go to the Alpamonte Ford, Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. And we bring in Keegan Matheson, the MLB.com Blue Jays writer. You can find him on Twitter at Keegan Matheson. He joins us right now. Good morning, Keegan. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. Morning. So, uh... So, so, so what was it like not knowing where the home games were even going to be played up until two days ago to have TBD listed there for the home opener on the 29th of July? What an amazing story this was for the Blue Jays. Uh, 
know, when I step back from it, I realize it's probably one of the stranger things I'll cover in, in baseball. Waking up on opening day, not knowing where the Blue Jays were going to play their home games at all. Uh, you know, thankfully they landed on Buffalo eventually there, but it was uh, a very strange stretch. You know, uh, being a baseball writer, I'm not used to writing the words governments. I'm not used to writing the word contingency plans for home fields. It's it's a, a really was a step outside of anything we are used to, and it was not a good process for the Blue Jays. It's a, it's a disadvantage. It was uh, something that took much longer than it uh, should have or ideally could have, and you know they're in, they're in a place that seemed obvious all along, going down the road to Buffalo to play in their AAA park, but it took a long time. It was confusing, and it was a bit messy. So the Buffalo facility was deemed unworthy of MLB standards in terms of the clubhouse, the batting cages, and the workout areas. Was that it? Because I wondered all along if the lighting was part of it, like the comfort level playing a night game or the ability to to equip the cameras that MLB needed? or, or, or was so, so what was it just clubhouse batting cages and workouts? The lighting's a big one uh, down in Buffalo at Salem Field. And, and this ballpark was kind of unfairly framed through this whole process, which you know, the Blue Jays and some players were a part of. It's, it's not a little league field. It's a great AAA ballpark, one I love going to, but it does just need some expected updates really right now. And that does start with the lighting number one for competitive purposes, but also for the broadcast. And they redid their lighting there. I think it was around 2011, which was right before the standards for baseball lighting kind of took a step forward. So the lighting isn't right where it needs to be, but the blue Jays can handle that quite easily. And then everything else that you're looking at at Salem field is the problems you'd be running into at any minor league park. You know, these places are, not huge, and they are built to pack people in, which is not exactly what we're trying to do right now. So hmm. it's all about creating more space. Uh, I think that Fenway Park is actually a good example, how the Red Sox have had to use some of their concourse space. Uh, you know, After the game, you'll see a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. walking up to a suite to use his locker. Yeah. That's what they're going to have to do in Buffalo. They're going to have a batting cage on the concourse, maybe. Will they have a mound on the concourse somewhere next to where the beer stand used to be? We'll see but they need to reimagine that space and use a lot of the open areas for some strange purposes. But with no fans around, you can do that. Thankfully you can get creative. See that, that, that stuff is fascinating to me. I've been keeping a running list of creative things that teams are doing in this, uh, in this pandemic to try and make baseball happen. What you mentioned with the Red Sox is, is, is a big one. And just the creation of mounds in other places, whatever you can do. The Buffalo Sabres have now been involved. And there are going to be locker rooms. The locker rooms in the Harbor Center uh, were offered, anyway, to be converted into clubhouses and batting cages and pitchers' mounds to be installed on the rink, the, the second rink at the facility. I, I don't know if any of that has come to play. I know, I know that they were talking about offering that, at the very least. Yeah, that is on the table. And this is another one. I caught myself yesterday writing and thinking, I'm writing the words Buffalo Sabres right now. This season has really gone sideways, but it's, <laughs> it's fascinating. They have offered up a lot of their facilities to, to share or use, and particularly in terms of their fitness facilities, the gyms, the weight rooms, things like that, because that's an issue for the Blue Jays where you know, Clubhouse, for example, they can use a concourse, they can use other rooms and expand. But in terms of the actual weight room infrastructure, I'm talking about equipment, how much you have. The reality of a minor league ballpark is that it's not as outfitted as a major league ballpark. You know, the minor league lifestyle is not one of glamour. So hmm. that is on the table. The Blue Jays would love to have everything right at the ballpark, at Salem Field, if at all possible. 
but there are some options there, you know, with other pro facilities, other professional gyms around that can be used. But the actual training and gym equipment itself, uh, I think, is one of the big uh, kind of variables throughout all of this. One of our producers here at The Score um, is the cousin of Ryan Barucki. So we have talked to Ryan a couple of times over the past few years, including, I don't know, I guess about three weeks ago um, when they were housed in Toronto at the hotel right there. And that was one of the more unique and better setups for anybody all around baseball to have a hotel right there. Uh, But where are these players going to stay when they have home games there? I know there's like a... There's a 38-story tower across the street that has a whole bunch of apartments. I don't know how many of them are vacant. Is it going to be hotel life, or are they going to try and find something a little more permanent for two months, if that is even a way to discuss it? Yeah, the Jays are still working through some options right now. I think that a a hotel setup would be ideal for them because it's a little more controlled. Um, maybe not to the extent that they had here in Toronto where they were on a full shutdown. You know, it was a modified yeah. quarantine is what they called it, where they could not leave the stadium and hotel, which is one building itself. It won't be that strict, but um, it, it would be an ideal situation for them, I think, where they could be in one space together so that even if there is some exposure to the public, they're at least moving as a group and not scattered out. Um, if they were you know, sitting in apartments all over the city, then you're bringing a lot of different people and a lot of different exposure into one place. But keeping them together, I, I believe, is a priority for the Blue Jays. And it, uh, it did work um, you know, here in Toronto. And you know, thankfully, the Blue Jays, relative to some other teams, have uh, you know, avoided the virus up to a certain extent or been fairly healthy so far. But that's still a big priority for them because, uh, you know, again, they're a team being in the AL East. They're traveling to Tampa where they are right now. They go to Miami at one point. They have New York. So there's some hot spots that makes it uh, a little more high pressure on them. And that's uh, one of the reasons that they got to know in, in Pittsburgh, in Pennsylvania, for example. You've got to consider the realities of the AL East, which are not helpful. The, um, the, the pregame ceremonies around the league on opening day, both Thursday and Friday, uh, were very, very powerful. And, and each team kind of ended up observing in, in, in their own way within the construct of what Major League Baseball had decided to do together with the long black ribbon that uh, everyone had a hold of. Tell people how Anthony Alford, the lone African-American player on the Blue Jays roster, ended up not being alone kneeling before the game on opening day, Keegan. Yeah, that was a really incredible story with uh, with his teammate Kevin Biggio. And we spoke to Anthony yesterday, and and again, the, the one black player on the Blue Jays' active roster, and that's been you know the case for a, a couple of times he's been up on this roster, being the lone black player in the clubhouse. And he spoke for almost 25 minutes yesterday about the racism he's faced, uh, about facing systemic racism, and what he's doing against that, but also with the support of his teammates and incredibly thoughtful you know anthony alford is uh, you know a, a very interesting thoughtful guy and um he showed up to the ballpark and he planned to kneel regardless he planned to kneel through the anthem regardless but his teammate Kevin biggio who is really going to be the the leader of this team is he going to be the best player no but that's not really what leader means all the time he's uh, going to be the heartbeat and the conscience of that clubhouse hmm. he sensed that alford was a little nervous about it because anthony alford is not a starter on the 30-man roster right now, maybe he's player number 27, for example. So we've seen how this works in other sports, where players on the bubble of a roster uh, can be more hesitant to draw that attention because it's attention that is not getting them closer to the field, unfortunately. 
and Kevin Biggio, uh, it, it was a really great show of allyship, I think, asked Anthony Alford, if I did it with you, would you be more comfortable doing it? And he did that, so they knelt together, um, you know, along with Santiago Espinal and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., two young Dominican players. But, um, you know, speaking with Biggio about that after, he, he said he didn't show up to the ballpark with a plan to do it, but spoke to his teammates. You know, he and Alfred are very close. They, they call one another brothers. But um, it was a, a great example on this young Blue Jays team of, uh, you know, Biggio being an ally in a way that does not say, look at me, uh, not in a way that's performative, but in a way that says, look at and listen to my black teammates. And it was, uh, you know, something Al- Alfred certainly appreciated and then spoke about after that game uh, very eloquently. Pretty cool. Keegan, thank you, man. Congrats on uh, having baseball back, even if your press box continues to be your living room at times. <laughs> Comfortable quarters. Thank you very much. All right, you got it. It's Keegan Matheson from MLB.com. Uh, lots of stories around baseball from this opening weekend to highlight. Looking forward to having a chance to mix them in along the way. We are here until 1220, which is Cubs pregame on 670 The Score. That's when they will take on the Brewers for the rubber match of their opening three-game series. And Bart Winkler, the morning man from Milwaukee Radio, and a, a delight to speak with, is next to talk Brewers and Cubs and MLB here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 